We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Thank you, dads, for everything that you have done and are currently doing to influence your children and your families in the ways of God. I appreciate that very, very, very much. We'll be praying for you at the end of the service this morning. Take your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 6. As you're turning, I want to remind you to join us Wednesday night at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8 right here in the sanctuary. We're studying the book of Revelation. And then we also have children's ministry and youth ministry going on at the same time in the New Beginnings class for those of you who are new to the faith or new to our church. So join us Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 5 and read down through verse 14. Then you can leave your Bible open because I'll refer to these passages several times this morning. This is what the Word says, Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You need to remember that passage of Scripture, that verse in particular. In a very difficult and evil time, when God was sorry for creation, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You and I need to understand that we too live in an evil day, a time when uh, men are only thinking evil continually in their hearts, but we too can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah looked forward to the cross to find that grace. We look backward to the cross and find that grace. Aren't you glad today that you have found grace in the eyes of the Lord? You understand what grace is, don't you? Grace is really God acting like who He is, not who we are. That's what grace means. God judges me and looks at me through the life and the actions of Jesus Christ, His Son, the Son of God. So when God looks at me, He deals with me on the basis of who Jesus is, not on the basis of who I am. That's exciting. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come up before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Father, we just pray now that your Holy Spirit will add your anointing to the preaching of the word. Hearts and lives will be opened. Individuals will be transformed by your grace today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting that the story of Noah picks up in about the 500th year of his life. We know nothing about the first part of his life. We pick up about halfway through and hear the rest of the story. I think that's interesting because it tells me the most important thing you and I can do is finish well. Let me say that one more time. The most important thing we can do is finish well. 
It's great when somebody has a testimony that I accepted Jesus as a small child. I lived for him all the days of my life. I never turned aside or turned away. That is absolutely wonderful. And it's a testimony to the grace and the mercy and the power of God working in your life. However, most of us don't have that story. Most of us have skeletons in the closet we want to keep there. Most of us have tragedies and train wrecks and heartaches that we don't even want to talk about anymore. So I find it interesting that we know nothing about the first half of Noah's life. But we know a lot about the last half of Noah's life. So let me challenge you today. Start today and finish well. None of us can go back and have a new beginning. But all of us can start today and have a new ending. Can you say amen? And that's what I'm reading in the story of Noah this morning. Noah had an opportunity to prove the grace of God that he discovered in a very evil day, in an evil time. Verse 5 says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Notice it. Noah lived in the worst of times. His generation has been compared to our generation. We too live in a very difficult, a very evil time when men are turning away from God, when men are embracing everything that appears to be evil and making it a way of life. So what was it about Noah that made him an influential man in that evil time? Notice this. Even though he lived in a difficult time, a time when it was very, very hard to go against the flow, a time when... He was absolutely living against the culture. Even though he lived in that time, he found it possible to live a godly life. He found it possible to influence his family towards Jesus Christ. Don't you even begin to tell me, well, because the culture is so bad, my kids, my family went wrong. No, my friend, step up today and live a life that influences them towards God. See, when we look at the scripture, we see that Noah was successful because first and foremost, he was influenced by God. He was influenced by God, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was influenced by God or toward God and the things of God in his life. Every day, men and women, we make a decision of who will influence our life. Will it be the culture? Will it be Hollywood? Will it be the political scene? Will it be our peers or will it be the most high God that influences you and me? In an evil time, Noah was influenced by God. Look at verse 9. Let's read it one more time. It says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. That word generations, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to go in circles. This is the application. It means that as the earth revolves around the sun, Noah's life revolved around God. God was at the very center of everything that he did, everything that he thought, every decision that he made. And then it says Noah walked with God. If you want to be an influencer, you need to learn to walk with God. I love that song that we sang this morning. He knows my name. He walks with me. He talks with me. Oh, let me tell you something, folks. The God I serve still desires that kind of a relationship with his children. 
He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to invest in our lives. He wants to influence us towards the things of God. You know, when my kids were growing up, and it always saddens me on Father's Day because they're a thousand miles away and don't get to see them, don't get to be around them, but that's life, right? It's the way it is, so we just suck it up and move on. But it's always interesting, when they were growing up, they longed to be around me. I told you this story last week about Chris and his choosing the present for his birthday. I'm not going to repeat it, but you can watch it at chctoday.com and see what that story is all about. Our kids want to be with their father. They need that influence, just as you and I should crave, desire to be with our Heavenly Father. We need His influence. We need His input. We need His guidance. We need His direction. He gives us His Word through which He speaks to us when we open it and read it. Can I tell you, the first step toward being a man who's influenced by God is be a man of the Word. Open the book and read the book and see what God has to say to you and to your family. Noah walked with God. And if we're going to be men of influence, we must learn to walk with God. Listen to me. Sometimes you need to turn off the TV. You need to shut off the radio. I know the U.S. Open is on right now today. And I know that because Jesse McFarlane asked me the silliest questions I've ever heard in my life. He said, do you watch golf on TV? Are you kidding me? I'd rather take a bullet to the head. No, I don't watch golf on TV. My goodness. Sounds like a good time for a nap. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. But it's on today. It's okay to turn it off and then just see the recap at the end. It's okay to turn off what's also going on, the sucker thing. What's that? The World Cup. That's it. It's okay to turn it off and just see the recap at the end. You don't have a team in that fight anyway. So turn it off and move on. See, it's okay to shut down all the electronics. It's okay to shut out all other influences. It's okay to shut out the doors and say, I'm going to hear from God today. And let Him direct and guide your life. Let Him speak into your life. Let Him minister to you on a regular basis. If we are going to influence our family, we must walk with God. Look at verses 11 and 12. The Bible says the earth was also corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God had had enough. In verse 13, he said, I'm going to wipe out everything. I'm going to destroy the earth and everything I created. In other words, judgment day is coming. Listen to me, men and women. Judgment day is coming. Judgment day is coming. You can read it in the scriptures. It makes it very clear that judgment day is coming. Verse 14 God gave Noah this encouragement. Because judgment day is coming, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in it, cover it inside and outside with pitch. Now think about it. We know nothing about the first 500 years of Noah's life, but suddenly he's supposed to build a boat. He's never seen a boat. He didn't know anything about boating. He didn't understand uh, starboard from whatever that word is, because I don't understand it either. I grew up in the middle of western Oklahoma, so give me some slack. He didn't know anything about a boat or anything like that. He didn't know anything about construction and carpentry. Matter of fact, Jewish scholars said that Noah had to plant the grove of trees, let them grow, and then cut them down to build the ark. Now, that's an amazing commitment, isn't it? Understand this is a long-term commitment. 120 years it took him 
from the time the command was given until the time the ark was finished, completed, and habitated. 120 years. Some of us can't do something for 120 minutes. (laughs) Think about it, we can't. 120 years. Building a boat. Why? He didn't know, but God said do it. Sometimes when God speaks into your heart, you won't know the why. You won't understand what he's asking you to do. But trust his heart because God wants to direct you and preserve you against that day. We see that very clearly in this passage of Scripture. He wasn't qualified to build a boat, but he did it anyway. Verse 22 says that Noah did all that God commanded him to do. You know, one day when I stand before God, I want to know one thing. Did I do everything you commanded me to do? Did I obey you? Did I hear you? And then did I obey you? Folks, it's one thing to hear. It's another thing to obey. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to follow through. Sometimes when God directs you, it's things that are not really pleasing to you and me. When God directed Yvonne and I to move from Colorado to Tallahassee, Florida, it really wasn't very pleasing to us. We were set up where we wanted to be for the rest of our life. But God had another plan. Oh, can I challenge you? When you begin to walk with God, when you talk with God, when he speaks to you, sometimes he changes the plans of your life. And they're always for the better. They're always for the better. Now, there's things about Tallahassee, Florida that are not for the better. The humidity, the bugs, the humidity, the bugs, the heat, the humidity, the bugs, not for the better. Raining every day, not for the better. However, we are so thrilled to be here. We are so thrilled to lead you. We are so thrilled to love you. Because we understand this is God's plan for this season of our lives. So we listen to him and he directs us. Noah did all that God commanded him to do. Back to verse 8, it said, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the face of impending judgment, Noah found grace. Listen to me. Finding grace was God's warning to Noah. Finding grace was God's red flag to that culture and generation. When you and I are living in the grace of God, we become a warning system to the world around us. Judgment really is coming. Be aware of it. It's going to happen. But there is a way of escape. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Oh, I love the way you're shouting now. Listen, folks, we want to live carefree and happy, sit around the campfire, hold hands and sing kumbaya. But I've got news for you. Judgment really is coming. And the only way of escape is the ark of grace. That avenue through the cross of Jesus Christ that forgives us and makes us sons and daughters of God. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We need to understand judgment is coming, but God provides grace that makes a way of escape from that judgment. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was influenced by God. And as a result, number two, Noah was influencing his family toward God. Influencing his family toward God. Never underestimate the influence you have on those around you. When you look at the life of Noah, you learn one very quick, clear lesson. Some of you need to hear this because you think grandma's faith or mama's faith is going to get you. 
Grandma's faith or mama's faith is going to make an access to you into heaven. Somehow, because they love God and you're their descendant, it's all going to be okay. I got news for you. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Faith is not transferable, but it is contagious. And if you will live a contagious faith before those you influence, they too will catch that and be drawn unto God. Noah's family was preserved and saved from judgment the same way he was, by grace through faith. By grace through faith, we today are also preserved from judgment. Genesis chapter 7, verse 7 says, So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark. That ark, friend, I want you to see it. The Old Testament is a shadow, a picture of what better things yet to come. So that ark that Noah built is a foreshadow. It's a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of the forgiveness and the salvation and the preservation that you and I have through Jesus Christ. That ark was Jesus. It's a picture of who he is and what he wanted to do for all mankind. You see, the water is God's judgment. It makes it very clear in the scripture. So Noah built the ark and they were protected from the judgment of God. Not one drop of God's judgment touched him or his family. Oh, hear me. Influence your family towards God. Take them to the cross. Let the protection and the covering that only comes through Jesus Christ be theirs as well. It will never transfer But it can always be contagious. Be contagious in your walk with God and influence your family towards him. How did they get into the ark? You can read it in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 and Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. By faith, Noah prepared the ark. Noah found grace and then Noah lived by faith. How do we get into that place of safety, covering influence? By faith in Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. Because the Apostle Paul said that God has given to every man a measure of faith. He's given you enough faith to believe on Jesus Christ, to walk into that place of safety and find forgiveness and protection in Him. Every man, woman, boy, and girl walking on the face of the earth has received that measure of faith. The question is, will you activate it? Will you believe Him? Will you receive him? Will you accept him and allow his grace and mercy to fill your heart and fill your life? How did Shem, Ham, and Japheth come to believe in God? The same way they learned how to become men, by watching their father, by hanging out with Noah, by rubbing shoulders with a man who walked with God and pleased God. A just man, the Bible says. That's the same way those you influence will come to know Christ. Oh, yes, we pray for them. Yes, we speak a word when appropriate. But do you know your life, your light has much more power and much more influence than any word that will cross your lips. Be a light, be an influencer for those around you. As Noah influenced his family toward God, you too can influence those around you towards God. Interesting statistic I read earlier in the week. Dr. James Dobson, most of you know who he is. Christian psychologist, very prominent in the evangelical community for years and years. He made this statement from his research. He said, when a boy is born, he is automatically emotionally attached, bonded to his mother. But somewhere around two years of age through about five years of age, that boy detaches from his mother and bonds with his father. 
Oh, listen to me. Your kids may not be two to five years old, but there's someone that you can bond with and influence toward Jesus Christ. You can spend time with them, pour your life into them, and allow them to see God in you and through you because faith is not transferable, but it is contagious. Proverbs 29.15 says, A child left to himself brings shame. A child left to himself brings shame. Every child needs direction from a father, from a man in their life. The average five-year-old spends 25 minutes a week with their father. Break it down, that's three and a half minutes a day. Where the same child spends 25 hours a week watching television. Ask me, who's training our children? Ask me, what's influencing their lives? You want to know why we have so much gun violence in our schools? Well, let me just get on my soapbox and tell you. It's because we have absentee fathers in our homes. They don't have a male role model to show them you don't do that kind of nonsense. Instead, they're stuck in front of the television watching video games where they regularly shoot people, kill people, stab people, blow people up, and it becomes something that's normal and okay in their psyche. Are they mentally ill? Absolutely. But they're mentally ill because of the influence that went into their lives. Oh, come on, somebody say amen or say oh me. It's time to influence somebody towards God. It's time to be a light and to be a voice in somebody's life because every child needs direction. What your children need more than gold and gadgets is you, Dad. They need you to show up. They need you to be present. They need you to be in their lives on a regular basis. They don't need substitutes. They need you. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in a survey that was taken a few years ago, it says that children born into homes with unmarried parents have risen 77%. Homes led by single moms have risen by 25%. Homes led by single dads have grown 62%. The same census, now listen to this, this is what blew me away, says that sons are three times more likely to be on drugs than daughters. Sons are 12 times more likely to commit suicide than daughters. 95% of juvenile court cases involve boys, not girls. I've come to tell you this morning, faith is not transferable, but it is contagious. Influence your family toward God. Influence those around you towards God. Maybe you didn't have a dad in your life, then stop that generational curse today and say it will not happen to my children. Come on, it's time to be men of God who stand up and say, my first responsibility is to the Father and my second is to my family. And I'm going to do my best to influence them toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we understand that Noah was influenced by God. He influenced his family toward God. And then number three, I want you to hear this because too often when we're preaching sermons about dads and fathers, we set some idyllic standard that's impossible to achieve. That somehow, when you become a Christian dad, you become a perfect dad. I want you to understand that's not true. Noah was a flawed dad. He had some issues. He had some problems. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't an absentee dad. He was there. But by the same token, he wasn't an altogether dad either. I don't have time to read it, but write it down. It's actually in your outline. Genesis 9, 18 through 25, talk about the fact he wasn't a perfect dad. He messed up. But the good news is, 
God foresaw his mess up and he made a covenant of forgiveness and mercy with him. Oh, come on, that's the great news. I don't think there's, no, let me restate that. There is not a perfect person in this room this morning. None of you. I'm sorry if that breaks your bubble, but you're just not. Every one of us will sin and come short of the glory of God. But that's why the Bible says, when we sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we are failure prone. Noah wasn't perfect, but Noah was forgiven. The Bible says Noah walked with God and then he stumbled. You know, I read that passage again this week and I begin to chuckle. You know who we need to blame for all the alcoholism and addiction we have today? It goes right back to Noah. That dude, the Bible says when he got off the ark, became a farmer, he planted a vineyard and then he made some wine and he got drunk on his own wine. Are you kidding me? God just saved you. God just rescued you. You and the family are the only ones that made it through the flood and then you do this. Oh, somebody needs to hear that because that's you. You gave your life to God and then you messed up. I mean, you messed up royally. It was wild. It was public. Everybody saw it. I've got news for you. In those instances, God already established a covenant of mercy and forgiveness. So we don't have to wallow in self-pity. We don't have to wear our mess-ups like some kind of a robe. We don't have to have an X on our back for the rest of our life. Because God said, you will see the rainbow in the sky. And from that moment forward, you will know there's a covenant of mercy and forgiveness. No, it wasn't a perfect dad. He messed up. He did something he shouldn't have done. But the good news is God forgave him. God renewed him. There's not a perfect man in this room. I know most of you. And I know you're not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But I know I serve a perfect God who doesn't view me through the eyes of my failures, through the trail of my mess-ups, but he views me through his son Jesus Christ. And when I confess my sin and when I make myself available and when I access that covenant of mercy and forgiveness, oh, he washes it away. And not only does he wash it away, he never remembers it against me again. Now listen to me, guys. In this room this morning, there are some of you who need to turn loose of the past. You've asked God to forgive you, he's done it because that's the kind of God he is. Then for heaven's sake, forgive yourself and move on. Until you do, you'll never be the man God wants you to be. As long as you're carrying that old baggage around. You know what? I get so sick and tired of hearing people say, well, you don't know what I did 15 years ago. If it's under the blood, this is the good news. I don't care. God has forgiven you, washed it away. It's time to forgive yourself and move on. I don't know about you, but knowing that I can falter, can stumble, can fail, can disappoint God and my family actually helps me to stay on the right track. It motivates me to walk with God. It encourages me to seek his direction and to seek his guidance. It helps me to know that I may not be perfect, 
But I serve a perfect God who's going to endue me with strength and power and help me overcome my failures and my shortcomings every day of my life. God made a covenant of forgiveness with Noah. Look at chapter 9. I want to show it to you. I don't just want to tell it to you. I want to show it to you. Beginning in verse 11 through verse 13, the Bible says these words. God speaking, I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. See, it wasn't just a covenant to Noah. It was through every generation that succeeded him. Perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of eternal of the covenant between me and you. God said, I set up a covenant of grace and mercy. A covenant of forgiveness and mercy. And it's available to every generation that's walked on the face of the earth since Noah. That covenant is for you and me today. Noah was influenced by God. Noah influenced his family towards God. And then finally, even though Noah wasn't perfect, he was a flawed father. God set up a covenant of forgiveness. A covenant of mercy that allowed him, in spite of his sin, to come back to God and continue to walk with him. We know nothing about the first 500 years of his life. But we know a lot about the last 450 years of his life. Noah walked with God, influenced his generations. God was the center of his life, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was influenced by God. He influenced his family towards God, and Noah, through the covenant of mercy, found forgiveness for his sins. His are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. You're in this room today, and you may be a man, you may be a woman, you may be a teenager or a child. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that something that was said today has been quickened into your spirit by the Holy Spirit. And He's telling you it's time to avail yourself to that covenant of mercy and forgiveness. It's time to stop beating yourself up for your sins and your failures. Let God forgive you and then find the strength to forgive yourself. That's you. I'm talking to you this morning. God brought you here so that you could know we're not perfect. But through God's covenant, we are forgiven. And you can be forgiven as well. That's you today, right where you sit. Would you lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Steve. That's me. I want to walk into that covenant of mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Yes, sir. Others, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Others, you'll raise your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Others, you'll say, that's me. I want to live in that new covenant that God gave to Noah. That covenant of forgiveness and mercy. That's what I need. Yes, sir. Anyone else as I wait just a moment? Yes, sir. Anyone else as I wait just a moment? Stand to your feet with me today, please. Every one of you that raised your hand, step out of your seat right now and come. I'm going to pray with you specifically. Don't wait for anybody else. If you raise your hand, step out and come and let God do a good work in your heart and in your life. Come on, Tom. Sing. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. 
And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.